Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast, our weekly show about how technology is changing the creative industries. Today on the program, the state of beauty innovation. We are giving a preview of our beauty innovation report, which was in part published in the latest print issue of Scandinavian Mind. We will talk about how the future of beauty is digital, innovative packaging, what clean beauty means in the year 2023, biotech and everything surrounding that, and the latest development in beauty retail. All of this on the occasion of our upcoming Insights newsletter called, of course, Beauty Innovation. We'll talk more about that in this show. My name is Conrad Olsson, Editor-in-Chief and Founder of Scandinavian Mind. And I'm here with my dear colleague, uh, our Senior Editor and Resident Beauty Expert, Johan Magnusson. Johan, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to be here. It feels awesome to do this. We did a couple of episodes back a, a special episode on, uh, let's do a little ASMR here, <laughs> the new print issue uh, of Scandinavian Mind, issue four. Uh, but we left out a big important part of this issue, and that is this uh, beauty innovation report, which you have been working quite a lot on. Have you measured, all, have, you, have you taken account of all the hours you've spent on this? Countless. Countless, countless hours. And for people who uh, visited uh, SIF, uh, Copenhagen International Fashion Fairs, back in early February, uh, you might have catched our uh, kind of joint keynote on this topic as well. So, But we decided to do a special podcast on this topic. You one, uh, maybe you can set this up for us. Why, why are we doing this? We're an innovation-driven platform and... Um as we write in the new issue of the print magazine, the industry that's being the most innovative now mm. is most likely the beauty industry. Mm. You can see innovation in certain parts in all the sectors that we cover, but not close to the level of innovation as in the beauty industry. It's estimated that the beauty industry will, will reach... Uh, 560 billion dollar uh, you know co- okay uh, it is estimated that at last yeah and as we say in the intro to this report according to to uh, president's research global cosmetics market is expected to grow uh at 5.1 percent, the upcoming 10 years, reaching 560 billion dollars in the year 2030. So quite a lot of action going on yeah, it's in this sector. Yeah, it's hard to comprehend. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. What 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 does it even mean? It's a lot. Um, what I find fascinating, and and what we'll get into, uh, we've defined the five kind of key themes, key trends happening in the beauty innovation uh, space uh, is. It's both kind of a sustainability issue in many parts, and that's why we, we cover this uh, topic so much in Scandinavian Mind. But as you mentioned, kind of innovation is kind of built into the industry. What do you mean by that? So um, the consumer behavior has rapidly changed, not the least here in the Nordics. Mm. When I speak to interna- international brand representatives, they have a huge respect for the Nordics and being uh, yeah like us here in Stockholm if they visit Stockholm or Copenhagen or wherever it is 
And it's not because uh, they are just friendly to me as a journalist, but you can you can see in their eyes that they're a bit more focused and uh, a bit more like, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is where it happens, you know, because uh, we're so demanding. And also my editor colleagues, uh, they are so demanding. Mm. You can't just be a brand representative coming here and just claiming stuff. You need to have proof. And what this is all about is that uh, there's so much beauty in its very essence is, of course, driven by science from the very beginning. Yeah. And given this huge competition between brands uh, and that there, we see so many launches, uh, yeah, daily, on a daily basis, you can't just um, stand still. You need to continue to develop and uh, renovate, as they say, when they sort of relaunch, uh, when a brand relaunch a new product mm. uh, with maybe a new packaging or a new formulation, they call it renovate. Uh, they need to constantly um, measure or, or um, consider their uh, current range uh, and not only develop new products because they are very good at developing new products. That's a big part of the sustainability issue. But also, uh, what w- w- they can't just be happy about uh, uh, having a product, a best-selling product that's been around for five years, 10 years, 20 years because right. the consumers are demanding so much more. So let's talk about why we want to enter this. And before we get into uh, some of the trends, uh, uh, and we want to bring some value in this actual podcast, but we we have to plug our upcoming Insights newsletter. Uh, It's something we've been working on. I can't even know how long. It's been in the works for over a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, So I'll I'll just take it from my perspective. Obviously, you know, scanning in mind, we started three years ago now. Uh, August 2020, we launched the platform with the aim of what we call being kind of a bridge between technology and the lifestyle industries. And what we've learned during these years is uh, there's lots of hap- lots of developments in the fashion industry. Big part of what we cover is in the fashion industry. Uh, but next to that, I think beauty is 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 running up. And I don't I don't know if we want to measure them. Who is the most innovative? We can talk about that in this episode. Uh, but what we see is this this thirst for information and knowledge and insight about these topics uh, in the beauty industry. And what's been missing in the market and where we want to play a role is to be that um, that platform. Uh, that insights newsletter that can bring uh, intelligence, uh, world news, and also commentary on what's happening to the people who are working in this industry. Um, so let's let's plug it right away. If you're interested in in subscribing to our insights newsletter on beauty innovation, visit scandinaviamind.com/slash/beautyinnovation. You can get early access if you sign up there. Uh, we'll launch this in the, in the next few weeks. Um, you want what's your t- you're out talking to the industry, and that's also a major reason why we have the authority and credibility of doing this. Is that we get access to all the news in the industry. We we <laughs> meaning ninety nine percent of the time you <laughs> go to all these launches. You visit the factories. Uh, you learn about these new technologies. How do you see the need for information in the industry right now? Yeah, it's a flood of it. When you dig into it, um, it's so much going on. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's a huge industry. And the more I dig into it, the bigger it gets. Yeah. So what I think is important here, uh, I think you said it very yeah correctly, 
but it's also about uh, curation. What's uh, relevant, and uh, specifically for the beauty industry or those interested in the beauty industry uh, in the Nordics and beyond? Because, uh, as uh, yeah, w we can talk hours about uh, the flood of information coming and also, of course, scientific reports. Yeah. But that's a bit hard to comprehend. You need someone, in this case, it might be us, uh, to to just uh, yeah curate and uh, what's relevant and um, what can you benefit from it. It will be us. I'm super excited <laughs> about this, and I think we can bring a lot of value uh, to the industry and to uh, uh, beauty interested people, both here in the Nordics but also uh, globally, because I do think we have. Uh, a unique perspective here in the Nordics. Uh, we, we'll get into that. Let's dive into some of uh, these trends that we have defined uh, and that we, unfortunately, since it's print, uh, real estate is scarce on these pages. Uh, I, I would say it's, I don't know if it's like about a third of, of the work that you've done that we were able to put in the print issue, but let's have that as a basis for uh, this podcast. So first out, we're, we're talking about virtual worlds. This might seem contradictory. How do you put beauty in a virtual space? It's something that lives on your body, uh, on your skin, etc. Uh, why have we uh, decided to focus on, on this? It's um, affecting so many different industries. If you take, for instance, um, yeah, Roblox, you tend mm. to come back to Roblox uh, when we speak to each other and uh, how much it affects uh, the younger generation growing up, also uh, metaverse, and um, it's um, it's still to be um, this, not decided, but we still need to figure out uh, how the metaverse will impact our uh, daily lives. But right. uh, a bunch of beauty brands uh, have uh, jumped on the wagon here in order to become early adopters and to yeah, sort of like the end consumers, just like evaluating and exploring. What's working? What is not working? Which campaigns can we run in, uh, yeah, for instance, Roblox or uh, other uh, digital worlds? Mm. And how can we benefit from it? And uh, we have one quote in the print issue uh, by um, uh, researchers at uh, MMI. And it says, like, where beauty goes next within the metaverse is unclear, as the possibilities seem limitless. If brands have learned anything from the launch of TikTok, it's that early tech adopters stand the best chance of success. So if they were a bit late on TikTok, for instance, they don't want to be late on joining the virtual worlds. And how do you see, how does a beauty brand activate themselves in these virtual uh, worlds? And what are the sort of the benefits for, for both the brands and the consumer? Uh, and, and I guess here is where the term fidgetal comes in. Definitely. Uh, so it can be about um, creating a pop-up, a virtual pop-up. Uh, we have one example here, uh, House of Nyx. Mm. They opened a virtual pop-up where they um, presented their new campaign, or they've done it several times, actually. But uh, yeah, the latest one, uh, they pr presented their latest campaign. And also, uh, of course, um, uh, the, the users could uh, try the products and try products on uh, their virtual avatars mm. and also, of course, click and collect buying the products, uh, the physical products that they were showing in the virtual worlds. But it's also, of course, a um, marketing objective here uh, that you can uh, show, uh, as mentioned, that you are an early adopter and uh, that you're done with the kids and the uh, Gen, Gen Z and... Um, 
yeah, to 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 be one of the first to to uh, to join this uh, new coming mega trend. Because uh, if we were to pick one coming trend, uh, I would say it might be three, but one of them is definitely vir- virtual virtual worlds. Yeah, yeah. We mentioned uh, Swedish beauty band Furio uh, as one of them who did. They claim to have done the first ever skincare launch. Uh, was that the term? Yeah, they uh, they chose uh, for for the launch of uh, Luna Four, which is uh, the latest of their um, uh, sort of a modern iconic product. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've only been around for like ten years, but uh, yeah, it's a modern icon uh, in the beauty industry. A hugely successful at that. Yeah, it's a um, multi-million uh, dollar company. So, yeah, um, yeah and they they um, decided to to put the launch of uh, Luna Four. Uh, in the metaverse, becoming the first one. Well, uh, obviously, both, uh, I think there's utility in this kind of digital world of, of doing virtual trials and so forth. We'll, we'll probably see more of these uh, marketing activations as well. Yeah, uh, so virtual trials is the one buzzword to remember here because that's already huge and it's also used by e-tailers mm. and retailers alike merging physical and virtual worlds where you can try your lipstick before you buy it uh, in a in, in a web shop for instance mm. and uh, this this will grow huge all right let's move on to our second trend and that is of course packaging a huge issue for the beauty industry not least from a sustainability uh, perspective there's a lot of uh, plastic being used, uh, which is uh, you know essential for keeping the freshness of, of the products, uh, also uh, hugely uh, troubling for the environment to use that many oil-based um, uh, um, packaging for 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 these products. How can we begin to understand what's happening in the packaging space right now? A lot of plastic, Vir- virgin plastic. <laughs> A lot of plastic. Yeah, yeah. It's said to be. Uh, more and more often recyclable plastic mm. meaning that um yeah you can uh, you can go to the bin and uh, it will become uh, recycled but uh, yeah the infrastructure for recycling plastic is um uh, not mature enough on certain markets and uh, it's very much up to the end consumer to 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 recycle well there's also challenges in terms of uh, you know uh, having the plastic being recycled in such a way that you can actually use it again for these purposes. So this is a complex issue to to deal with. Uh, but you know there are some numbers here that's interesting. I just want to start with that, and we can go into some of the examples. But 74% of consumers are willing to pay more for sustainable packaging, according to uh, THG Ingenuity. Um, here's the you know the the nightmare number is 80 billion. Plastic and shampoo and conditioner bottles are thrown away annually, according to a number we saw in Business Insider. So again, a huge issue. Let's bring some of the positive news here. Uh, uh, what, what's happened? Because there, there are a lot, there are a lot of innovations happening that we want to bring forth. Definitely, and uh, the Nordics are paving the way here, and especially Finland. Mm. I wonder what's in uh, what's in the water in Finland because yeah, well, uh, <laughs> two prime examples from Finland or is it three? No, two. Yeah, so uh, we have, uh, for instance, uh, we've covered uh, Sulapak, uh, the startup or yes. scale up several times, and their um, 
bio-based packaging uh, that they have offered to the likes of uh, Lumene, the Finnish skincare brand, and uh, yeah, Chanel and uh, many other industry players mm. uh, as a way to replace virgin plastic with um, yeah, uh, byproducts from the Finnish uh, forest. So they've come quite a long way and they've shown that uh, it's not uh, only... It can, uh, it can not only be about uh, having an innovative product, but it's also, of course, a challenge to scale it. Mm. And they're one of the great examples that you can actually scale it and uh, become relevant for major industry players. So from the Nordic forests there to uh, the, the, the beauty house of Chanel, I love that. What else is going on? Yeah, we have several great examples. You you mentioned the problems of um, keeping the 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 plastic uh, in the great condition mm. even after recycling. And uh, we have the they call it like a conglomerate. Uh, it's the name is uh, Carbios, and they've teamed up with uh, Biotherm and uh, I think Pepsi and uh, yeah L'Oreal Group, and mm. uh, in order to use enzymes to actually when they are mature and market ready which they are not they're only in the pilot phase so far uh, they claim to offer infinite recycling of uh, yeah virgin plastics because that's obviously as you mentioned a huge challenge that uh, the plastic will uh, the quality of the plastic will decrease over time and it can only last uh, for like three or four times uh, being recycled because it's also of course a matter of security right. when it's uh, when you talk about uh, cosmetic products you don't want to have um, packaging that's not stable enough uh, mm. to to keep the the product inside so there are a bunch of uh, great examples uh, and uh, a lot of innovative startups uh, coming here and also they're yeah they're attracting a lot of venture capital money because yeah. uh, this is a problem for an entire industry yeah So uh, it's a it's a it's a great bet if you if you're into like uh, getting uh, attention from investors. Well, it, it you know with great problems come great opportunities, but I think uh, the opportunities lie more in new technologies, new companies entering the space. What what would be kind of a key takeaway for brands how to tackle this issue? Where, where should they look? What should they invest in? Where what type of pilot projects or or new materials do you think they should look for? I just came across one particular number uh, from um, Lush, the skincare and wellness brand, saying that 95% of the cosmetics uh, packaging are thrown away after one use. Oh, yeah. 95%. I'm not surprised. So I think for brands, they need to look at how to... (laughs) If you look at uh, social media uh, media videos, videos posted on like the, the unwrapping experience, mm. I think brands need to to evaluate how to to make uh, the packaging perhaps uh, more long lasting mm. and uh, a second life of it. We saw one uh, example here of a Swedish startup. Uh, they launched a, 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 um, it's it was a, an oil, um, so a skincare product. Uh, which uh, after use uh, you could use it as a vase for your flowers. Beautiful. That's one great example. Yeah. So um, it's it's very much now up and uh, up for uh, up and uh, to like the consumer mm. uh, how to take care of um, 
uh, yeah, the packaging and um, the the impact. While as we have covered here before in the podcast, uh, we will see EU uh, more regulations from the EU, and uh, it's a, a great takeaway for brands that uh, they can be a bit far ahead here. That they need to think about those issues already now so that they are not um, uh, surprised when the EU come and knock on the door. Mm. So obviously a huge issue and I, I definitely think we need a combination of uh, you know legislation and new uh, 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 sort of regulation around this but I do think if you want to be an innovative brand uh, get out there and start thinking about how you use your packaging and maybe try out some of these new technologies that's out there. Um, Let's move on to our favorite term in the industry, clean beauty. Uh, there was a, a constant discussion on the stage at SIF what clean beauty actually means. And I feel like everyone has their own uh, kind of uh, definition. It also goes into the term S-beauty or Scandinavian uh, beauty, uh, which has become quite a, quite a trend, trendy uh, term. Um, how would you define clean beauty, Johan? Yeah, so that's the issue. That's why we put the quotation marks on clean beauty in the latest print issue. Yeah. Because if you ask one entrepreneur what it is, you will get one answer. Mm. If you ask a retailer, you will get one answer, an influencer, a third answer. And it's not really defined. And um, that's the issue. And it's also uh, a matter of culture here because uh, clean beauty is a much more common expression in the U.S., while here in Europe, we prefer to say natural beauty. Mm. But uh, clean beauty is also, um, yeah, the, the, the wave, uh, uh, it's, it should be um, yeah, taken seriously because it's also a matter of, um, yeah, the, the end consumer is afraid on what they put on their skin. When they become more and more aware of what they put on their skin, they also become more and more afraid. And uh, both in the EU and the, in the US, we have strict regulations, what's, uh, what you can put inside the, the jar mm. for a beauty brand. But of course, um, we discover new things. And uh, then it might take some time before a potentially harmful ingredient uh, is removed uh, or banned. Mm. And uh, there can be different regulations on different markets, of course. So you can say that... Uh, uh, the end consumer, yeah, it's it's. Um, I wouldn't blame the end consumer for be, being concerned on what they put on their skin, especially not for, for instance, sunscreen on the on their kids, because sunscreen is a completely different top topic that we can spend another episode on. But it's a sign of the times that, um, for instance, on TikTok. Um, Anyone can be a, a skincare expert yeah. uh, instead of asking the skin therapist. Well, something that, that speaks to what you just said, <laughs> the popularity of the term is the hashtag clean beauty have, <laughs> has 1.4 billion views on the, on the platform, uh, which is just staggering. So that says something. That's also an explanation to why so many brands are entering this uh, field. I would be surprised if, if the EU wouldn't place some kind of regulations on this term. They've already done it with the fashion industry. You can't talk about conscious collections, etc., unless you have something to back it up. So to be able to talk about clean beauty without some kind of uh, framework around it, I, I think we need that. Um, but nevertheless, you know, a lot of brands are, you know, targeting this space and I think a lot of the Nordic brands if they use the term or not are kind of 
in this space and that's where uh, we, we get the sort of S-beauty or Scandinavian beauty. How would you define the S-beauty uh, term? As the opposite of K-beauty, the yeah. huge movement from uh, Korea and Southeast Asia with a 12-step routine that you had uh, one product and another product and a third product and a fourth product and so forth. This was a huge movement. Uh, yeah, time flies, so I don't mm. know. I don't remember how many years, but yeah, for uh, the, the last decade, mm. it's been uh, it's been huge. While S Beauty is, um, yeah, the opposite, uh, where you have multifunctional products that you don't need to have uh, a certain product for uh, one use, but you can have several products uh, that combines um, w- what you want to achieve. Yeah. So, uh, and I think that's, um, it, it's the same with fashion. If you see one trend, like skinny black uh, denim on mm. men, then you can be assured that the next, the, 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 the trend coming after that would be wide-legged uh, <laughs> of course. Uh, blue denim, unwashed. So, yeah, opposites attract, right? Mm. One thing that you bring up in the report is that the fact that even water can be problematic when you talk about ingredients. Um, Why is that? Yeah, so um, the clean beauty movement is a lot about chemicals. That it's um, not they not they, that they don't put any poison in mm. the in the or non toxic. And uh, what uh, me and my beauty editor colleagues here in Scandinavia tend to focus on is the fact that uh, water in itself, which is yeah, in a regular. Uh, beauty product it can be between 70 and 95 uh, of the product mm. uh, and water in itself is a chemical so if, if claiming to be chemical free then uh, i want to see that product <laughs> exactly all right let's move on but i think clean beauty I, just uh, as a parting words it's obvious that the interest from the consumer is huge and i think that is something that the industry Uh, needs to take at heart, and and that's why we see so much movement in this direction. But definitely, we need to gather around some kind of definitions. We'll see if the industry can handle that by themselves, or if they need help from uh, government. Yeah, and that's also, um, if I may interrupt, uh, a problem, a huge problem for for the beauty industry in itself: the, the lack of regulation. Yeah, you can claim anything. Uh, it's the similar as you mentioned with the EU and the fashion industry that you can claim anything to be sustainable, mm. and we have the same uh, situation, similar situation in the beauty industry. Uh, you can, uh, it's not a medical product, so you can basically claim everything without proof, and uh, I wonder for how long. Well, there there's definitely movement, and we keep getting back to this sort of new directives from EU, and we'll definitely get back on that on on the podcast. Uh, just one thing I've heard as a reflection, I've been speaking to people with with uh, kind of great insights on the matter from from a Brussels perspective, is that historically, I think uh, uh, industries like fashion and beauty in a kind of a male uh, driven uh, you know world of of european politics it, these are two uh, kind of underserved industries because i think the politician hasn't understood them well well enough and i think but what we're seeing now is that you know in part we have a new generation of politicians but also if you look at the data uh, of the emissions from these industries how much uh, you know plastic they use how little is recycled and so forth 
just from the date that we're going to see uh, some 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 real movement. But unfortunately, you know, for all of us and for the industry, it, it has been underserved. There are not a lot of um, beauty and fashion lobbyists, you know, walking around Brussels and you know, uh, speaking for for these industries. And you can perhaps intuitively intuitively think it's a good thing with less lobbyists, but actually it's a bad thing because uh, we don't have people representing these industries and. Uh, once the EU starts regulating, they're, they're not going to care. They're just going to put place new rules on these industries and just going to have to, as uh, one person said, comply or die. <laughs> but we'll get back to that. So from clean beauty, let's get into biotech. It's kind of a, a related topic. I find this hugely fascinating. Uh, biotech, which is, uh, of course, the, the use of... Um, or, or the, the practice of kind of mimic, mimicking uh, uh, technologies or, or, or processes that happen in the nature, but doing them in uh, maybe kind of like a lab setting. Maybe I'm slaughtering the definition here. Am, 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 I, yeah, am I right? right? Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's huge uh, when I speak to industry representatives, mm. when I get to interview them. Almost everyone talk about it now. Mm. Uh, it was uh, maybe the biggest takeaway from uh, Cosmoproof in Bologna, the huge uh, trade fair. And uh, even though even the brands that uh, haven't been around biotech, uh, all of a sudden uh, claim to be a clear biotech brand. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a buzzword, and it will only continue to grow. Well, it's a buzzword, and what I find fascinating is I think we've moved kind of beyond viewing biotech as something technical, lab-grown, uh, people in <laughs> lab coats. We actually do have a picture of a p- person in a lab <laughs> coat. But on the same time, we have brands like Lila Bruket, Matthew was on the co-founder. He was on stage in Copenhagen during our beauty innovation talks. You know, Lila Bruket, obviously a brand that's associated with kind of down-to-earth, uh, nature, uh, you know, uh, definitely coming from the clean beauty space. They are looking at these kind of advanced technologies uh, to to um, develop their products. So I think that where, where there is uh, an interesting intersection here, which I love that, that kind of this highly technological processes can marry with this brands that are looking for... Uh, uh, natural ingredients, because you know, in part, we have to do this because, uh, you know, just to go away from uh, uh, putting a strain on the environment, which would be the alternative, right? Yeah, and I just need to add that uh, Mats wouldn't be too happy if you refer them to being a clean beauty brand. So, sorry, Mats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would definitely d- say though that uh, there, if you. If you define uh, S beauty, then mm. you have Lila Bruket. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, you're completely right. And uh, also, uh, what Lila Bruket did quite good, and um, w- was uh, the launch of their face care line, uh, yeah, six months ago perhaps, where they um, merged uh, natural uh, skincare uh, ingredients and biotech mm. with a clear biotech focus. And also stating in the interview that, that I did with them that uh, yeah, biotech is obviously the future. We've worked at it for, we've we've worked with it for several years, but now we will communicate more about it, because that's what I find so interesting when I interview those industry representatives. It seems that uh, this is a new phenomena, which is it's definitely not. Um, as mentioned, almost all of them talk about it and the fact that they've done it for quite many years but haven't communicated it 
uh, in the same way as they do now because they, it, it hasn't been relevant. Uh, it's been uh, perhaps hard to comprehend for the end consumers, but mm. now they see that the end consumers are more and more like they're constantly looking for uh, information, innovation, and then all of a sudden uh, they feel that they need to communicate the fact that they're working on mm. biotech. But isn't the problem though that uh, they, these are technologies also that they don't, they can't be fully transparent with them because these are kind of proprietary technologies. Uh, they don't want to reveal to competitors, etc., exactly. Uh, uh, what they're doing, what they're doing. Maybe you can give some examples of, of what we learned. Yeah, it's uh, it's so many secrets in this industry <laughs> yeah. because it's so competitive. If you, you you can try to ask a brand like, okay, so where where is this produced? And mm. you will get a country, mm. perhaps a city, mm. not the name of the factory. But yeah, we we have a bunch of startups and also uh, beauty giants. Um, Considering this being the next big thing, we have Biotherm uh, as a great example. They were perhaps, the, yeah, they, they were they were the pioneers, I would mm. say, for for biotech, and uh, yeah, hence the name. <laughs> uh, and they're con- constantly developing um, um, their range, as all of the brands do, and. Uh, they uh, are part of a research museum in Monaco, which I got to visit. Like now, it's already a year ago, yeah. where they work together with the museum, the maritime museum, to develop new formulations. And uh, yeah, because a lot of uh, this happens. Uh, it used to be uh, much about uh, algae and yeast and bacteria, and now uh, we see more and more focus on uh, the deep oceans. So why are the oceans so you know? point of reference, a yeah, point I of men- interest. Yeah, I mentioned it um, like last November when I visited the podcast and talked to Beauty Tech. Mm. I think it's uh, the fact that um, those uh, small, small animals or planktons, they're able to survive several thousand meters down in the ocean. Yeah. And h- why is that? What properties do they have? And uh, how can we use it? And it's, of course, uh, that's why... Um, this is driven by the the large corporations because it's of course very costly to to engage such an operation i haven't visited but i can imagine uh to to, to go down uh several thousand meters mm. in the ocean and yeah of course uh, they can also work with contract labs and uh suppliers uh, to to get uh, the ingredients or yeah from the deep oceans but uh, yeah it's very costly i can imagine and uh but still very fascinating. And uh, we haven't uh, learned even um, 1% of what's d- deep down there. And how can we use it? That's the big question. I, I love the fact that we're going to water. It's almost like we're going to the well, uh, the fountain of youth or, or something like that, to, go, <laughs> to look for new technologies uh, to help us in our, in our beauty and wellness products. All right, I think we're doing quite fine on the timing here. We said we tried to do this under four to five minutes. Um, Let's dive into the last uh, um, theme here, which is retail tech. Uh, I think each and every one of these topics could be their own podcast, and they probably will. Uh, But let's let's get into uh, some of the findings uh, we 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 did here, and this is also related to the virtual worlds, also. It sure is, and we get back to the yeah the digital mm. concept or definition or buzzword. 
the fact that um, retail, the future of retail, that's the million dollar question. And uh, of course, uh, a lot changed during the pandemic in terms of consumer behavior. We saw a bunch of um, startups coming up now, uh, gaining a lot of attraction for uh, being able to offer uh, the brand's um, digital solutions. Mm. And um, uh, the pandemic was also a a reason for brands um, and their uh, R&D departments, perhaps not the R&D departments, but uh, the marketing department and the brand departments to to think again, like, uh, is the future of uh, retail really uh, physical? Mm. It might be not. And yeah, both you and I know that uh, most likely it's not. And then they've uh, now joined forces with, uh, yeah, perhaps uh, innovative startups in order to develop new um, solutions for the end consumer, which is uh, much uh, in the virtual worlds. That uh, the, the the fact that um, they are um, uh, offering um, the end consumers the possibility to experience their, um, yeah. To offer the brand experience, uh, but in a, d- a digital setting. So a lot of these is is like a uh, digital, um, almost like new digital worlds where you can experience the brand. Uh, I think the the example we use here is the American startup uh, Beyond XR, which is a kind of a, a you know plug and play solution, or I don't know, maybe they do custom solutions as well for. Uh, major uh, uh, beauty brands—they call themselves a Shopify for the metaverse—but it's not really. It sounds like it's a, a you know within the, met- the existing platforms like Roblox. That's not the case. They like they create metaverse-like experiences, like uh, for for the beauty brands and the consumers to experience the products. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and they're very much um, 2023. It feels mm. um, the fact that they're already now offering. Uh, Perhaps you can say metaverse experiences, but not in the metaverse. Mm. So it's still from uh, you're able to experience it uh, not using VR glasses, but from your very own desktop or mobile. Yeah. But it will, of course, become even more relevant uh, in the years to come when we hopefully will um, see a lot of development uh, for yeah, VR glasses or whatever comes uh, in terms of uh, technical solutions for this. But they're very, very early adopters. And that's why they've been able to, even though being just a startup, uh, teaming up with the likes of um, uh, uh, YSL and uh, yeah, L'Oreal and uh, a lot of uh, beauty giants. Mm. I'm curious from a, from a personal perspective, do you think beauty has a better chance of developing these new digital experiences than fashion or, or is it similar? I would say, given uh, the current state, that uh, the two worlds are already merged with the, those virtual try-ons that mm. I mentioned, that mm. you are actually able to to try on the shade of your um, uh, next uh, lipstick sh- per- purchase uh, in a, in a web shop already now. That the yeah, beauty retail literally or almost died during COVID. Yeah. Uh, so they had to come up with solutions, and it's so much money. And that's, of course, similar in in fashion. But uh, fashion is uh, a bit harder, I would say, to to, to experience uh, properly already now in mm. a virtual setting. Mm. While we already now have the tools um, uh, available for such a an easy product as your next lipstick. Mm. That's 
easier to to uh, for the end consumer to comprehend. I would say it's almost like it's easier to also create a, a, a similar type experience in a virtual setting that you have when you, when you are in a, a beauty department store, for instance. I think. In a way, shopping fashion online, we're kind of used to it. We we used to sort of the grid of products, uh, uh, and we, you know, click around, and that kind of works. Whereas if you search for beauty products, there, you know, the actual packaging doesn't maybe serve its purpose. It's very small. It's hard to get that experience. So maybe you need something, even if it's just on a on a desktop computer. Maybe you need that kind of immersive world to get a sense of of the brand and experience. Yeah, that's a. Um Great uh, summarize, uh, and also as I mentioned, um, for instance, uh, House of Nix creating a virtual world, yeah, creating something more, something that the end consumer doesn't, um, uh, yeah, ha- hasn't uh, experienced before. Yeah, yeah. It's also fascinating. Uh, we highlight Finnish uh, startup uh, Revive. There's an actual practical usage and functionality to some of these products uh, that are purely digital. Uh, you know, they have a kind of a skin scanning uh, analytics tool powered by AI and AR, um, which uh, any retailer basically can connect to their to their e-store. I think that's a very fascinating uh, example. Yeah, and it's another example, just like Beyond XR. The fact that uh, a small startup uh, back then, mm. they're a lot bigger now, can team up with leading brands as soon as they have um, a great idea that is uh, valuable for, for the brands. And uh, the partner list for Revive is uh, impressive, <laughs> to say the least. Mm. And I also want to mention here that uh, a major trend that uh, digs into this um, fifth um, macro trend from the latest issue is personalized personalization yes and don't make sure not to miss uh, our um, portrait uh, our feature with uh, Sela Lee founder of uh, Allure offering uh, beauty brands uh, personalized uh, skincare solutions exactly that's in the beginning of the issue that's not part of the report but but definitely uh, uh, relevant to to bring up here all right, I think we did well. I think we did great. There's so much more to talk about, and this is obviously something that we will cover at length in our new uh, Insights newsletter, Trans- uh, uh, Beauty Innovation. Um, if you want to learn more about uh, this topic, uh, please sign up uh, for early access. Visit scandinavianmind.com slash innovation, and everyone that signs up will be giving a down- downloadable PDF uh, of this uh, beauty innovation report from from the latest issue. All right, Yuan, is there anything uh, uh, that we haven't covered that you think we should bring up as a kind of a parting uh, comment here? This um, report by me also includes uh, in, in industry insights from uh, three uh, representatives. Mm. Uh, they're asked about their um, sort of favorite topic. One of them is um, Alain Mavon. He's very experienced. He's been in the industry for very, very long. He's uh, now joined uh, Lumina, the Finnish brand, as uh, vice president of uh, R&D and sustainability. And to wrap up, uh, I think this quote is quite good and quite relevant for the times we're in. So he says here in the the interview that uh, reduced carbon footprint and diverting waste from landfill are just a few benefits we get from molecular recycling which we will get back to uh, online and uh, maybe here in the podcast. 
The materials are also recyclable at the end of life, making them a truly sustainable option. I think that summarizes it all uh, quite, quite well. How innovative this industry is, uh, how keen they are to improve and reduce their footprint, and with the, the Nordics uh, once again being at the forefront here. Exciting stuff. Okay, this has been the Scandinavian Mind podcast. Uh, just a plug for next week, we will start uh, uh, publishing the talks from uh, the Beauty Innovation Talks schedule at SIF earlier this year. We're going we're gonna to hear uh, three uh, beauty entrepreneurs talk about how to be a responsible beauty brand in 2020. 23. Don't miss that. Don't forget to sign up for early access to our Beauty Innovation newsletter and just to our regular newsletter. Visit scanningyourmind.com slash newsletter not to miss out on any uh, content and events. And of course, again, uh, get your own print copy of Scanning Your Mind issue four. It's a lovely read. Thank you. Thank you.